it's good to have a wife to remind you. Um, I was thinking I'm supposed to preach next week, next Sunday, and I think it was Thursday. My wife says, you know that you're supposed to preach on Sunday? I was like, do what? No, I think it's next week. And she got me the paper and showed me, so it's good to have a wife to remind you. Um, the message that I have chosen to share on this morning is one um, that was shared in Cambodia by a German Baptist brother that came. I think his name was Kent Fulmer. It was a message that I guess I have just thought over since it's probably been a year and a half ago that he shared it, but it's one message that I have just gone back and contemplated on it, thought on it, and thought on it again and again. Um, and it's just sort of helped me to understand. And I thank Arlen for um, sharing this morning, um, sort of laying the groundwork, I guess you might want to say. Um, so, so turn with me to James chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to read verses 13 through 15. I didn't know how to title the message. I, I titled it Life or Death. Um, you could, you could, I could have said temptation or holiness. I guess that was sort of the thought of, of what I wanted to share this morning. So in verse 13, James chapter one, verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So what we want to talk about, I'm going to slide this to the other side. Okay, so we have sin on the last. Sin equals what happens if we sin? What 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 does what what does it produce? Death. I think you understand that skull and crossbones. It's death. It's it's terrible. It's 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 bad. What causes us to sin? What happens before we sin? What is, in James here, what are we talking about? Temptation. So we're going, in, we're going in backwards order. We're going to try to find out what causes us to go to temptation, what causes us to sin. What, what is it that is actually happening probably before we come into temptation? Too many times we think that if we can, be, we can be right here, we can face temptation, but as long as I don't fall into sin, I'm okay. And so we tend to, well, yes, I've been tempted. I, well, I was tempted. I was tempted. But as long as we're not sinning, then we feel like, well, we're okay. And I would say, yeah, that's true. But let's stop and think about a little more. Is this where we want to camp? Is this where we want to live? Um, so what is it? 
how does how does life work? Um, we don't want to sin, and so what, what's happening? What's going on? If we go to First John two sixteen, it's a familiar verse to most of us, and I'll just read it. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay, so now we're talking about lust. So usually, if you think of temptation, there's lusts that come involved in that. The lusts bring us to temptation, and so we're, we're, we're working on, on that there. So what is the flesh? What is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life? Flesh is what the body desires, okay? So if you think about that as we think of the lust of the flesh is what the body wants. The eyes, the lust of the eyes, it's what your eyes want to see. It's what your eyes want to, to take in. That's the lust of the eyes. The pride of life, it's what the soul wants to feel, maybe it's status, maybe it's like I want to be lifted up or I want to be in control. That can all be the lust of the lust, I mean the pride of life. I I want to be a proud, I'm a proud person. And so that's where you will see me as a pride person, a prideful person. So if we come ahead, we can say we could call lusts right here or desires. Okay, does that make sense? So now we have lust, and, and as we desire something, we, we're falling over into temptation, and now we're in temptation. Now I have to decide, well, do I, do, I, do, I, do I take that next step, or do I stay back from it? it it's, you know where I'm at? Understand that? It's, that? it's that desire, it's that lust, and that so often is where we're standing is right there. We're, we know we shouldn't, but we're... Jesus gives our has a grand desire for us. If we fill our desire with Jesus, it gives us one step back. It gives us the, the pure desires. It gives us the, the true desire. And so the question is, how is your heart? Is your heart aligned with Jesus? Is it aligned with things that God wants you to be looking for? Is it the things that Jesus wants you to follow? Lust isn't in and of itself is not bad. Jesus says, I desire to eat with the disciples. In that, in that sense, he was lusting or he was desiring to be with the disciples. So to desire good is not necessarily wrong. It's when we go backwards and we're desiring things that are forbidden by Scripture, things that are not right, is when we fall into sin. So if we desire to do well, you could call it, I, I lust to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Well, we don't use it in those terms, but it would be sort of in that, in that desire. So where is your desire? Where are you? Are you filled with God? Or are you filled with the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> what is happening before this? Lack. Oh, I think I lack something. I am lacking. Do what? I'm lacking? So think of a salesman. He comes to your house and he's going to sell you a vacuum. You already have a vacuum. The vacuum is good. But he'll take it and run it through your carpet and he'll show you how much dirt that his new vacuum pulled that your old vacuum didn't. And so now you're thinking, oh, this vacuum is better than my vacuum and so I must not have the best, so I'm lacking in having a good vacuum, right? So where you're lacking, you're saying, well, I don't have what I should have, and so therefore I desire the next vacuum, and then I desire, I'm tempted to buy the next vacuum, so that's not sinful. But that is sort of the way that temptation follows. That's sort of the way that temptation rolls. I am lacking, therefore I desire, and you go on. And I just want to submit to you that Satan is a, that's where he goes. It's like, if he can get you to believe that you're, well, you don't really have what you, you don't have the best. And so that's really where it comes to. It starts with a lack of me thinking, if I could only have, I'm thinking that I'm lacking myself. Maybe it's if I just had more money. I'm just, I'm just I, I, I look at whoever you want to put in. This person, has, this person is a wealthy man, and he's, he's just been a, a successful businessman. And, well, if I, could just, if I could just have the resources that he has, and then I could do this, and then I could do that, and then I could... You see where I'm? Do you see where we're going? We're, we we see the lack. We think that I I just don't I just don't have it. Um, for a married person, it might be oh if my partner would only be thinner, fatter. If my, pers- if my partner only would do this or would do that, I see this person over there doing this or looking like this here. See, now I'm, I'm starting to compare and I'm feeling that I'm lacking. When I see that I'm lacking, now I desire, now I'm tempted, and now it goes to, to lust and now it goes to sin. It's that, it's that process. What happens before lack? And this is, this is, I guess, is the thing that just sort of really had me thinking Unbelief. How many times has my temptation really stemmed from unbelief? Do I really believe that the wife that God has given me is sufficient for me? Do I really believe, do you really believe that the husband that God gave you is sufficient for you to meet the needs and desires that you have? 
Does that make sense? Are you following me? So it's, it really often comes back to that. And this is where I just like, as I've, as I've, since I've heard this message and I've, I've just thought about this, it comes back to how much, how strong is my belief, how strong is my faith in God that God loves me, that God cares for me, that God has my best in mind, that he wants to give me the best I have. Am I satisfied in the best that God has given me today? Or am I saying, but God, you, you, (laughs) I'm not the wealthy person, or I, you fill in the blank. Are you finding yourself saying that I am lacking when really you're saying, God, you didn't give me the best. I have, other people have it better than I do. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's, it, it just keeps on going. It's, it stems back to unbelief. So temptation, unbelief, finding myself lacking, finding myself desiring, I fall in temptation, I go on and I sin, and I'm going to, if I don't repent, I'm going to have death. That's going to be my, that's going to be my reward. That's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to live. And so many times it's like, well, we just, we just, well, I sin and then I'm sorry, then I'm sin and then I'm sorry, and, 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 and we're just, we, we want to live right here. Let's go back and say, God, help me to believe you. Help me to follow you. Help me to know what you want for me, that I am trusting in you. Second Corinthians 7, 1. Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And I think if we would go on and I mean go back into chapter six and, and on further back, we would understand the promises he's talking about. But he's saying here, let us cleanse ourselves, let us clean ourselves from all these other things over here. Let, let's clean our lives from that and, and walk in what? Perfecting into what? What did I read? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Are you holy? Stop and think about it. Are you a holy person? Oh, uh, well, um, if Chad says, uh, I'm, I'm holy, I'm like, really? I hope you are. Chad, I hope you are a holy person. If Zach says it, I hope Zach is a holy person. But see, we sort of have this idea that, well, if you're holy, then it's almost as a negative connotation. Why do we use it that way? Okay? That would, be a, that would be a negative thing. But God is calling us to holiness. So I'm going to put another chart down here. How do we come to holy? 
How do we come to that side of being holy? That's what we're calling, called, that's what God is calling us to be. Um, Hebrews 12, 14. If you don't believe what I'm saying there, turn with me to Hebrews 12. I think most of us will know this verse. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which what? No man shall see the Lord. So if we say that if, we, if, we're, if we're saying, well, I don't, I don't really want to be holy, it's like shame on me. I should, that should be my desire. I should know I want to be a holy person. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be pure. It means to be clean. It means to be sanctified. It means that I am bought of God and I am striving to follow God the best of my ability. It's not that you lifting somebody up here and saying, this is a, oh, look at this holy person. Yes, in a sense you are, but I said, I want us to take it into our personal life that we are holy, that we are sanctified, that we are clean, that we are filled with God's Spirit. So are you, are you willing to say, yes, I'm holy? Well, if you're not holy, then let's back up to here. If you're not holy, then you must still have sin in your life. If you're clean of sin, then you should be holy. Are you clean of sin? Then you're holy. As long as you have, as you have done that. So I'm going to drop, I'm going to jump back over to here onto the first one. How do we come over into this one here? Is believe. We must believe in um, John 1.12. As many as have received him, which he's saying, Jesus, 1 John 1, 12, let me read there. But as many as have received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name. Okay, so as many as have received Jesus, to them... Gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe. So we need to believe that Jesus is God. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the son of God, that he is the, the one that forgives us our sins. And so what does it mean to believe? And I, I guess over the years I've come to thinking about the believing thing of it is James 2 says, Thou believest there is one God. The devils also believe and tremble. So what's the difference in the belief? What is the difference in the belief? I like to think of it in this way. You've got a ravine here, a big high ravine, and you've got going across, and then 
somebody has been wise enough to string a cable across there. Just one cable, okay? And this guy's a tight walker, okay? So he has learned walk. Does it all the time. He can do it very good. He decided, okay, I'm going to get a wheelbarrow, okay? And I'm going to put a wheelbarrow. And so he takes a wheelbarrow, and he has the wheelbarrow on here, and he, you see him cross it. You see him go back and forth. Do you believe that he can do that? He says, yeah, I believe it. How much do you believe it? Are you willing to get into that wheelbarrow and go across? Whoa, 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 whoa. So that's it's a little bit different there. But I think that this is really what God is calling us to do when we believe in Jesus Christ. It is I am willing to put my complete trust into the guy, the guide that is taking me across the river. It doesn't make any difference what's below. It doesn't make any difference how deep it is, how fast the water is. It's I am believing. I am committed to follow what this guy is doing. And I think that is a lot of the difference in, in truly believing. It's like just to, just to say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but then I live my life in a way, way over here. I just, I live in sin, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm really not truly believing. I'm not living my life in, in the way that leads to holiness. I'm not living in there. So I am not, <laughs> do I truly believe? Question, do I truly believe if I am not willing to follow God all the way? And I guess I guess when I was in you know, when I was in Cambodia, just that that thing of of truly believing. Am I committed to going all the way? It's like Jesus was talking about the seeds that he sowed out, the seeds, and then there's the the seed that fell on the stony ground. It, it believes, it comes out fast and it grows. The sun comes out and the plant is scorched. It withers and dies. It's like, yeah, I believe, but as soon as I had to get into the wheelbarrow to trust God with my whole life, I bailed out of the wheelbarrow and I didn't continue on. I didn't make it to the other side. I, I withered and died. And I think that's a lot of what God is what Jesus is, is saying there in the thing is being faithful, it's like following through. Be planted in good soil. Be sure that you are committed to go with God all the way. <clears throat> so what, after we believe, what do we need to do? Now, you might argue on, on the order that I have this here. I like to believe that we need to confess. There's something that, that just comes with confession that does good for us. First John 1 John 1.9, um, if we confess our faults, he is faithful and just to forgive us, our, uh, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So if we don't confess, are we hiding that? Are we just holding it in our heart and we have this, this black spot um, in our heart? We don't, we don't confess. And then like Paul Weaver shared with us, You see my little helicopter there? Satan is like a helicopter. And if you have sin in your heart, it's like a landing pad. He's like, oh, right here. And so he comes right into your heart immediately. He has that place in your heart that he's saying, well, this is, you've got a big H right there. This is where the helicopter is supposed to land. And so if I don't, if I have sin in my heart, it just makes it, it's like an open door for Satan to come into your heart. So if you think of Satan as a roving around, seeking whom he can devour, he's flying around you, trying to find where he can find a place in a heart that he can land, he can tempt you, you fall. Confession is cleaning that heart, making that heart pure. Satan can looks over it and he says, well, I, I can't land here. You're clean, you're pure, you have, you're holy. It's, it's like, it doesn't mean that you still won't be tempted, but it's going to take the, the chance of Satan just having that free course. So Satan is like, he knocks on your door. If you open a little bit, he's, he's, he'll, he'll force it open. He'll stick his foot in and he will get in. God, on the other hand, is inviting you. He's open, asking you to open the door and he comes in gently. You have to open the door. He doesn't force you to force it to enter. James 5:16, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. It's something about confession. It's that humiliating, humi- humbling yourself and being open to other people that just brings you closer to becoming a holy person. The next step that I would have in here is obedience. If you're following with me, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. I'm not sure if we'll get into that one today with with Chad here but in the Sunday school, but this is... This passage, I guess, is some of the, um, in my mind, is some of the saddest, most sobering words in the Bible. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Did you catch that? Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, is going to make it to heaven. How does that affect you? Are you saying, Lord, Lord, are you going to make it to heaven? It goes on to say, but he that doeth the will of the Father. So there is a thing of being obedient to the Father in order to have holiness. 
If I don't obey, if I'm saying, well, I'm not going to bow, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you're old school, man. Is that you just have to believe in grace. You, you don't forget the obedience end of it. I'm just, I'm believing God, but I, I don't need to do that. Nah, nah. I'm afraid that kind of a person is going to be the one that Jesus says, I don't know you. That's what I really believe. It's, it's like, but he that doeth the will of the Father. So we need to be doing and I think a lot of people where we get where they get a lot mixed up is on the law or or works based. If you look at a lot of works and and you get that idea, well, it's not of works. No, it's not of works. And I think the works when it's talking about in the Old Testament is talking in in the Bible is talking about the Old Testament law. It's not the law that saves us, but it does talk about our works. Things that we do are important. In Titus uh, 1, 16, they profess that they know God, but in works deny him. This is my own talking here. Being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. They profess that they know God. Oh, yeah, I know God, absolutely. But in their obedience... In their works, they deny God. So that's, I think it's, a te- it's, it's for us to help us to test and see, are the people that say they are believers, are they being obedient to God's word? If they're not, why not? <laughs> being disobedient. So disobedient, which is being abominable to God. Abominable and disobedient. So what's the opposite? If you don't want to be abominable to God, be obedient. So just speaking is not enough. Just professing to be a Christian is not enough. You need to do. You need to live. You need to act. So verse uh, in Matthew 7, 22, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Here these people are standing before God, and they're saying, God, God. I mean, Jesus, look, didn't I do this thing? Didn't I do this? Jesus doesn't say they didn't do that. But what were they? I think they had, still had, this big place of unconfessed sin in their life. They didn't truly believe. They just had a profession. They were just speaking with their tongue. 23, and Jesus says this, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I just think that is the saddest things that anybody can hear in their, once they die is, I don't know you. But but God, I I live my life for you. And I think each of us know where we are in our life. I don't think it's a surprise to us. I I think if we we know today that we have this, this black spot in our life, we should take care of it today so that we can be holy. So that God says, yes, welcome. Come, come to me. I I welcome you. 
So yeah, I think that to come to a holy living is we need to believe, confess with my mouth, this is where I was, this is what I did. And I don't think it's something that you just need to confess over and over. It's like you do it one time, ask God to forgive you, and I think it's actually good to confess and, and let other people know. Uh, there's some things I think you can confess between yourself and God, but I think it's if you really want true cleaning, confess it to other people. It's just something that happens that when you confess it to other people, and in fact, I'll, I, um, that was mine. I had, back when I was after I was married, Paul Weaver had been sharing in Cross Hill, and I just, it was just like, well, what about this? What about that? And he just, just pray about it, which I didn't like that he answered it that way because I wanted him to say, well, you should do this or you should do that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to clear my life. I'm going to just, and so I, I got a paper and I wrote down everything that I had been involved in that I never confessed publicly. And I, I got up in church and I read this list. It was a dirty list. It was a nasty list. It was something that I wasn't proud about. But I can tell you that after that time, I have had victory like I never had before. And I say, why? How did that happen? Because I cleaned my heart, I confessed, and then I was obedient and kept on walking. I'm used to having an interpreter, and I'm done. In Cambodia, it's like always, I wasn't, I didn't know how much time I have here, so. I hope that was an encouragement to you. I hope as you think back on this here that you can be encouraged and that you can take strength and, and be encouraged in your walk with God. Let's pray. Lord, I just come to you. I just thank you this morning. Thank you for your love to us, your blessings. Pray for us a path that we can live holy lives, that we can be holy before you. Say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's our desire, Lord. We want to serve you. We thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for your many blessings on us. Just continue to go with us today in Jesus' name.